It was a lot of personal stress on me as a manager and as a leader because I was always dealing with that conflict. Oh, I should be doing it this way, but this is what my gut is telling me. And I think when you become a leader and a manager, especially of larger teams, you have to trust your gut as much as you trust the data and the other information sources that come into you. If you've ever read a business book and thought, that sounds great, but how do I actually make it happen? The Grow Together podcast is your answer. Every episode, you'll hear tactics from the world's most thoughtful leaders about how to manage up, improve cross-functional collaboration, and build a high-performing team. I'm your host, Ryan Sidnor. Join me so we can both listen, learn, and grow together. Get excited, because today we've got Janetha Murphy, CMO at Five9, discussing how to find and define your unique voice as a manager. Then you can hear this theme cascade into other important topics like being vulnerable, encouraging people to learn by doing, and how you can get people to explicitly share their communication styles to ultimately improve collaboration on your team. Well, um, to kick things off, can you maybe start with a little introduction and then um, we can dig in. Hey, so my name is Jennifer Murphy, and I am the Chief Marketing Officer at Five9. We are a provider of Cloud Contact Center as a service. I have been a manager for quite a while now. <laughs> double digit numbers, double digit numbers. Uh, I have been led by some great people. Uh, I've had some great mentors, and I hope that I have established my voice as a manager. Uh, what does that mean to you to establish your voice as a manager? Yeah, so I think for me, I think it's really important. There are a few pieces to this. First, there's manager versus leader. And then second, there's also what does it mean to have your own voice as a leader or as a manager? And what I think is really important is, you know, often when you first become a manager, you try to emulate other managers who maybe you've looked up to because that's what you know. Um, and that can be great. Right, you learn from others, but at the same time, I think you have to figure out who are you as a manager. So, for me, as an example, when I first became a manager, I really tried to emulate uh, one of my old bosses, who was just, you know, a, a big people person. Um, you know, didn't really like conflict that much. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not a people person and I like conflict, but I will say that my style is a little bit more direct than maybe others, um, and I didn't lean into that. And that led to me putting so much time trying to be something that I wasn't naturally, that then I wasn't really putting my focus and attention on my team and where it needed to be. When I settled into who I was as a person, what my narrative was, and embracing that, I could focus my time where it mattered most, which is the energy for my team. So if I'm understanding correctly, you are spending a lot of energy on this like internal conflict of I am naturally one way, but outwardly I have to be another way and shifting from one to the other. Yeah, and it was confusing. Yeah, it was confusing for my team, right? They could sense it. It didn't feel genuine. It didn't feel authentic. And yeah, it was a lot of personal stress on me as a manager and as a leader because I was always dealing with that conflict. Oh, I should be doing it this way, but this is what my gut is telling me. And I think when you become a leader and a manager, especially of larger teams, you have to trust your gut as much as you trust the data and the other information sources that come into you. If you're a leader or working on becoming one soon, check out the Grow Leadership community. 
Join conversations with other thoughtful leaders to share resources, support one another, connect at meetups, and learn during webinars. Join now at getgrow.io slash community. How did you uh, first recognize that this was a dynamic that was causing you? I know you use the word stress, but I'm thinking tired. Like that sounds mm-hmm. really tiring. Yeah, I think it was a combination of things. So first of all, I think I recognized it because, yeah, I was tired and I was stressed and I, I and it, it didn't feel natural. It didn't feel comfortable. But then the other thing was, was very early on, I got an outside um, perspective. So I actually got a HR coach who came in and met with me really informally. Like every other week we would meet, we would chat, we would just talk about what was going on with the team. And then she interviewed me and she interviewed my team. And then we would take that 360 feedback. And it was really good to have someone who was outside of the work environment. So they were still a HR mentoring professional, but not within my team and not within my organization. So it could really be about the people and their feelings versus about the politics of the organization. Right. And that third party didn't necessarily have any shared incentives with you all because there's going to be by if, if we have the same goal and we both want to yeah. hit it there's just immediately things that i'm going to blind to um, exactly right and that's the difference you could have your own hr team do it but inherently you know if you're in the same organization you you're just you're even you're consciously or subconsciously aware of what's going on around you and some of the other environmental factors. But if you're from the outside, you just got a clean slate and you're just looking at the people, the behaviors, the emotions and the feelings that come with it. So you felt tired and stressed. You got a third party perspective to bring in thoughts from your team um, and mm-hmm. have and have conversation. Was there anything that stood out in those moments that helped you realize like, <laughs> oh, I'm not being, I'm not being myself? Um, I think it wasn't that I, I wasn't, you know what, I'm a very open person. Uh, I'm very transparent. I, you know, share a lot of different pieces of information. And I found I wasn't really sharing. I wasn't sharing as much of my personal self with my team now some people will say there's pros and cons um but i wasn't being vulnerable with my team and so i remember actually uh, there were two two things that really stood out so after we did this assessment i actually brought all of my team together face to face and i was just really honest with them and transparent with them about how i had been feeling as a new leader, like I, I at first I was like, oh, Jennifer, you can't can't show weakness, right? You you got to have it all together. Sure. And I was like, no, actually, yeah. like no, that's that's not me. That's not who I am. I'm fine with saying this is what I don't know. This is what I do know. And I'm, I'm being honest with them and being transparent with them. And then the other thing was how I how I did written communication as well. So I think when you become a leader or a manager. You have to appreciate that the people, the way in which people interpret your communications, whether verbal or written, changes. So, you know, now in my position as a CMO, sometimes still I'm on a call with someone and I will just be throwing an idea out there. And they're like, yeah, but Jennifer said, and, and Jennifer's a CMO, so like she, she wanted us to do it, right? And I'm like, whoa, no, 
you know, write it back, people. I was just sharing an idea, a thought, right? I, I didn't mean for anyone to actually go do it or change the path. I was just trying to make us all think and and helping us, you know, get to a get to a better place. <laughs> so my written communication also changed as well. That I was more conscious of um, less making statements and more providing a perspective and eliciting feedback and making it clear that this wasn't an ask or an action item. It was very clear when something was an ask. It was very clear when something was just a perspective and then inviting others' points of view. Grow's feed helps your team stay in sync, celebrate after finishing a task, coach after a presentation, or provide suggestions after a meeting. Whenever you give a grow, we plant a real tree to celebrate your growth. Give your first grow today for free in under a minute. Get started now at getgrow.io. Um, there's a, a scene in the sh- Have you seen the show Silicon Valley? Yes. Uh, called the, the, it's the sticky bear problem where the, the, the CEO of the Hooli is like mm-hmm. making himself coffee or tea and he uses, you know, honey comes in a bear. And he's oh using, yeah, the honey, yeah. And it's sticky. And he like complains to someone on his team, like this bear is sticky and they're trying to decipher it. Like, what does he mean? It's, like, <laughs> it's actually just, it was sticky. Um, it's so true, but, but that's another thing that you have to do when you become a manager, when you become a leader. You have to shift your own mindset and realize that like it or not, you know, you're still one of the team but people will interact with you differently. And you have to accept that because that's another place that as a manager, you can take on that stress as well. And then and then if you're stressed, if you're, you know, not being your authentic self, that plays out for your team 100% and it's no good for them. So two things I'm hearing in being your authentic self, one is being more vulnerable and transparent. And the other one is like adapting your communication style a little bit. Um, yes. I'm, I'm interested in starting with with vulnerable and transparent. So I've certainly been there where I'm like, oh, I have to have the answer, but mm-hmm. I don't have the answer. What do I do? That's really confusing. Um, so have you got any examples off the top of your head, maybe as of late, where you're like, actually, I don't have the answer. And the right thing to do is to tell the team I don't have the answer. Yeah, actually, literally before uh, before I came on to speak with you, someone uh, pinged me on Slack and they were like, hey, Jennifer, uh, we're having this event and here's our list of customers and, you know, so-and-so has to move to such and such a day and, and what should like what should we do? And I'm like, I I need a moment. I know you want an answer from me right now, but something that simple to just say, hang on, I need a moment, send me all the information. I can't digest the information as you've given me I need a little bit more information and I need it in a different format and then I'll come back to you like within you know the next couple of hours and I'll get you an answer but even just small things like that being willing to say I can't give you an answer this second and I need a bit more information in order to be able to give you a proper answer right that's something small simple but I think it happens a lot you know often you find yourself oh, I've got to give people an answer now. And it's okay to say, actually, you know, hang on two seconds. I I need five minutes to digest all of this in my head. <laughs> the So this example is quite related then to, to your second point around like a shift from an action item or a command, which you, if I'm projecting here, 
heavily rewarded for for all of your career. And then you move into a role where it's like, oh, actually, if I'm doing that for them. They don't have the opportunity to do it for themselves. So let me share perspective and help them frame this problem so that they can come to the conclusion on their own. And so yeah. it's like, I'm vulnerable that I actually don't know the answer, but I have solved this class of problem before. Here's a perspective for you that you can Exactly, use. yeah. And, and it goes into that second point right, about communication style. So one of the things that I've done with all of my team is we go through, you know, there's many different uh, communication type tests that you can do. But we did one uh, with a, an external firm that looks at the different color spectrums, right? So are you either blue, are you red, are you green, or are you yellow? If you're blue, you know, blue people tend to be a lot more um, specific and detailed. They like uh, supporting data. They like to sort of have all of the information behind you before they make a decision. Greed don't like urgent status at all, right? There, it's, you know, you can't be too aggressive. You can't be too short. Um, definitely bring in the personal side. Yellow, again, very personable. Like to share creative ideas, emotions. Uh, they'll probably be a lot of back and forth, a lot of questions. Uh, and then red is, you know, if you're speaking with a red person, you should be direct. You should be uh, bullet points. You should define the action, limit the chit chat. And so for me, I'm a very red person. <laughs> But I also, right, I also have some some yellow and green and blue tendencies. I think my my chart is like red, yellow, green, and then blue. Um, and so I literally have this little chart in a baggie uh, in, in like plastic on my desk that shows my entire team and shows all of their, their different colors. Oh, wow. And whenever, like I, I often just look at it, you know, without having maybe a meeting or whatnot but if ever i've got to have a, a difficult maybe conversation or a good conversation i always try to consciously look at that and go okay so and so is a blue so and so is a yellow how do i have to now adapt my redness <laughs> to you know to the other people in my team and i i legit i look at it and i go down and, and everyone who joins the team they take you know they take this test and the great thing about it is it's it looks at your work personality and also your personal, your home life personality. So that goes back to being your authentic self. And it overlaps the two of them um, to say, like, for example, hey, at home, maybe I have to be a bit more yellow, right? I have to be a bit more sunshine because, you know, my husband is very data driven and, and you know, he could also be a red person. Whereas at work, you know, I dial up my my redness because that's what people want from me and that's my natural tendency as well. I am pretty sure I invited you to this podcast with an email that had no body. It was a subject line yeah. only. So <laughs> I love it. I love that. it. I'm like, yes, I'm in. I'm in. I love it, Ryan. That is exactly what we're doing. Yeah, I'm like and, and that can be really hard because sometimes again, like the sticky, like the sticky hoodie, people misinterpret it. And they misinterpret quick, short responses or a demand for like, let's get to the point as I'm not interested or, you know, I don't care. I care deeply about my team, right? I And, and the whole reason why I actually had the team do this was because I care deeply and believe deeply in communication and respecting other people's communication styles. Um, but, you know, sometimes you just see that, you know, you see, you see the redness and everyone's like, oh, Jennifer, she's a red. She's a red. 
you know, no, she's, she doesn't care about the personal stuff. You know, she's, she's all about telling and not asking. And I'm like, yeah, actually, that's not the case. We're all multifaceted and, and so am I. Yeah, the, um, the concept that comes to mind for me, as you're talking about adapting your own communication style based on mm-hmm. the personality types of who you're talking to, is um, don't treat others as you want to be treated, treat others as they want to be treated. Um, yeah. Which I wish that was the learning in whatever grade school, whenever that phrase came into my life. Um, the other thought I'm, I'm I'm having, I don't know, have you ever seen Pixar's movie? I think it's called Inside Out. It's about like the emotions. Yes. Uh, that, yeah. And so like when when the, the woman in Pixar is really young, each memory has one primary emotion Mm -hmm. and the emotions have colors right so this memory is sad or this memory is happy and that that's not how it works as you as you mature right there's like a mixture of happiness and sadness and it sounds um anyway i'm just reminded of like this yeah like almost like a mural where each person is a mural well i'm primarily red and i've got a little bit of blue and yellow in there uh, exactly, exactly. And and, it, and sometimes they mix up and sometimes you get confused, right? And yeah. to which, which one of those colours am I today? And and so, yeah, I, I think it's good to always take the time as a team member, as a team leader, um, to just think about that and think about how your communication style is impacting others and rewarding as well when people do appreciate others communication styles because you can recognize it and I see it sometimes in my team you know that someone is consciously making an effort to appreciate and respect the other person's communication style and that has to be you know called out as something that you want to celebrate just as much as you know hitting your numbers um you know getting the leads getting the revenue getting the pipeline whatever it might be yeah um uh I, I have a coach and one of the, the phrases that they use is cultures, the behaviors that are rewarded, punished and allowed. So you could ignore this, um, in which case it will be in the allowed camp. It's OK mm-hmm. if nobody rewards one another for adapting communication styles. And then that'll be part of your culture, whether or not you made that decision consciously. But if you only reward the output, then you're never going to get this yeah. ad- adapt adaptability and this improved communication. Yeah, it's tough, right? It's really hard because I think we live in a society and I think it's changing, which I think is great, but I think we live in a society where it is a lot about, hey, are you hitting your number? Are you making your number? Are you hitting the MBO? Are you hitting the OKR? And you have to take time. And also as well, the hardest thing to ever deal with is when someone is making Mm. their number and they have the wrong behavior. That's Yeah. Exactly. And you know what? Sometimes it's like, okay, we can we could deal with it. It's gonna be okay for a little while. But then when you have to take that action and be like, hey, dude, no. Just no. And and that 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 could be hard because you then have to justify it to your team. You have to justify it to your peers. And often they don't see the jerky behavior. They just see, you know, they see all the good stuff. They don't see the stuff behind the scenes. And then it's like, and then you're like, well, maybe it's just your personality. Maybe your personality doesn't match. And so that that can be a hard thing to have to deal with as a uh, as, as a manager and as an individual as well. 
uh, just so I'm following you, when you say maybe your personality, you're, are you referring to yourself? They're like, my personality doesn't match with this person. So we have a, but maybe this conflict isn't universal. So I don't know if I should do something about it. That- exactly. Like that's a really tough thing because you're like, okay, well, I'm a red and this person's a green and maybe I'm not speaking to them as a green. And so maybe, you know, maybe that means that I'm not helping their best personality come out and you have to you know, you have to take the time to validate that, right? Is it is it just me who's seeing this or are other people seeing this as well? And again, a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of the emotional stuff, a lot of that deeper uh, behavioral things are not always visible to everyone in the organization. And so you, you have to spend a lot of time explaining that. But yeah, rewarding, as you said, rewarding behaviors as much as anything else, I think is really important. Um, so I've got a few questions for you. Uh... Okay. Go for it. So you've got a chart of personalities on your team, mm-hmm. on your desk. I love that you're kind of looking at it occasionally, not in the moment that you need it. It's almost like mm-hmm. a like a note card or something. Yeah. Um, where like it's it's so ingrained in me at the point that I need it that I don't have to like go look at it and reference it mm-hmm. because that would feel pretty inorganic. Yeah. Um, and then you talked about people on your team doing or adapting their communication styles. Did you like print out cards for everybody do you have an internal page with this stuff or how, how we do, do we... we do we do so oh, we do. we have a yeah we have a few things so first of all so we published the list of the team and all of their colors to everybody um and so that's available on like our, our slack channel and it's pinned on there and then throughout the year um you know when we first did the assessment or a large group of the team did the assessment we did a few more activities so we went through it we talked through we did examples but also as well we have this thing called uh, whiskey wednesdays which is uh sometimes it involves whiskey yeah sometimes not (laughs) um but it's it's basically just a, a, a an hour uh once a month where we get the team together for something fun we did like desk assize we did uh music a music quiz um, sometimes we'll incorporate it into that as well. So we'll ask everyone to come to the meeting with um, their background, the color that they are or the color that they happen to be feeling, right? Just to remind people, hey, you know what? If you haven't looked recently, go and take a look at the Team Slack channel and take a look at who people are. When new people join the team, they get it as part of their onboarding. So go and take a look. So yeah, we 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 put it out there and we try and incorporate it into some of our team activities as well to keep it keep it top of mind so it's not a one and done. But I think we could definitely do more. Um, but yeah, it needs to be something that is constantly reminding people and, and literally that's why I, I show everyone my little uh, my little baggie with my my list on there. And I'm like Go get your own. Me and my HR business partner, we're, I've convinced her she has one too. So. Nice. Um, so you've got a couple of, of pretty concrete tactics here. You've got like a mm-hmm. team directory with profiles. People have some information about themselves there. That's pinned into your Slack channel, yep. part of onboarding. You bring it up in team activities. How do you know if it's working and how do you know if it's not working? So I think, you know, some of the things you just see naturally, right, when you're looking at conversations, but then, you know, being being a leader for the team, like a lot of times, you know, when you're a leader or you're a manager, um, people come to you before they'll go to the other person that maybe they have a conflict with or that they need to resolve something with. So you sort of, you're, you're a bit of a therapist, uh, in all fairness, for the team. 
And in those circumstances, I, I try to think to myself and ask, hey, you know, person X, this is your style. Person Y's style is ABC. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about that in the conversation? So I think some things to see is it working naturally you see in conversations. Uh, other things I think you have to question it. And I try, especially with my leadership team, to ask them the question, hey, you know, you know you're know, you a big blue person. Well, you're trying to go and have a conversation with someone who's a yellow. So have you even bothered to ask them how they're doing today? Right? Have you have you brought some of that sunshine to the table um, in your ladies' conversation? And it just makes people think, oh, actually, yeah, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> well, one thing that stuck out to me, you know it's not working if people on your team aren't bringing problems to you. Uh, it means that you True. are likely not being your authentic self when leading them yeah. because they're unable to, you're not relating to them, they're not relating to you in some way. So if yeah. it's no, really that's quiet, very true. if it's quiet, that's problematic. Um, and oh, yeah, other, I'm, yeah, definitely. The, the other thing that stood out is that um, it's almost like the expectation that you have, if I'm understanding correctly, is mm -hmm. that part of your role in this system is like the, re the reminder or the nudger yes. of others. Like, remember, we've got different styles. Remember, we have the same goal. Remember, you can adapt accordingly. Yeah, and and I try and and um, that that's that's definitely it. And we also have something called uh, we have a, a marketing all stars program uh, that we run with the team. And basically, what it is is it um, it looks at the different behaviors. So it's not about hitting numbers or anything like that. It's about the different behaviors as working together as a team, using data to um, to sort of justify or to help. Uh, decision making and we run this marketing all-stars program on a quarterly basis and you know you think hey there's an opportunity to win money great people would want to be involved people would want to nominate but you got to realize everyone's just so busy all of the time that that takes a constant reminder and and one nice thing that um I appreciate actually my EA she really helps with it uh what she'll do is is every quarter we announce uh winners and a few things that we do. So every quarter we announce winners. They win a cash prize. Uh, the person who nominated them is uh, the person who actually announces them on the team call, right? So it's not just me saying, hey, you know, Jane has won or Dave won, right? It's the person who nominated them so they can make it personal. Um, and then the other thing is throughout the quarter, we'll post in Slack what what all the nominations were. So even if you didn't win, we still, you know, take all the nominations that we got and post them in Slack throughout the quarter so that people can see what other people are saying about team members and what type of behaviours people appreciate and, and take the time to go and want to reward someone for it. Yeah, so this was actually going to be my last question uh, for you, but you already started answering it. So I was going to ask, yeah. hey, how, how do you reward others when uh, they're consciously making an effort to adapt to yeah. other so that, communication yeah. cells? That's that's a big part of it. That's a big part of it is having that program. Um, it's completely you know, funded within our team. We celebrate it on our all hands. We celebrate it in Slack. And we, it's about celebrating each other. That's really important. It's about celebrating each other and it's about celebrating behaviors. And hey, you know what? Sometimes you try something and it doesn't work. 
But did you have the right attitude, right? Did you do it in a collaborative team way? Did you do it without ego? Did you do it using data? Did you learn something from it? Excellent. We should celebrate that. I will say one one practice I've, I've tried to implement, which has been harder uh, harder to do. I'm still trying to convince my team to do it. Is in in like quarterly business reviews, um, sharing the failure. <laughs> right. I think that's really important because you know what. Sometimes things don't work and it's okay. It's okay. You know, as long as you learn from it, I think that's really important. Um, but I think that's still something, again, as an organize, organizations in general and teams in general, I, I find struggling with is, is celebrating failure done the right way. <laughs> this is a, a topic that I find very interesting. Um, we are or I was raised, I don't know about holistically, but a lot of the school systems are set up that you should get good grades, which means you should know the answer. And there is, I don't know if I even had a single teacher, maybe one who rewarded me on the process of learning mm -hmm. as opposed to getting the right answer. And so it's like built in for our entire lives yep. of you are rewarded when you get the right answer. And then we have a shift in the workplace where that's not always true. Actually, sometimes in getting the wrong answer, you learned something important yes. so that you can go. In. But overcoming the lifelong uh, conditioning of don't be wrong uh, is really, really challenging. Um, yeah. One thing that, that we have done as a team, so uh, mm -hmm. retrospectives as a place to talk mm. about what went well and, and what did it go well, which is less about um, a person and yep. more about a thing. So there's, I think something really compelling in there where when you're celebrating, you're celebrating a person and their behavior. Yes. And when you're learning, you're learning about a thing, not necessarily a behavior right that makes it more approachable. And then literally just rebranding it from failure to learning. Here's what I yep. learned um, goes a pretty long way in opening people up because then it's like, oh, well, I did learn long. Having said all of that, yeah, we've got the same problem on our team and we definitely see it through our customer base where we've asked people to, for example, share reflections. And um, mm -hmm. it's pretty tough to get people to share negative ones because yeah. they're worried, right? Like, well, does this mean people are going to judge me? They think I'm not good at what I do. Um, and this comes back to leading authentically for, right? Like, oh, I'm I should vulnerable. know the answer, right? Yeah. Yeah, and being vulnerable, I think it's 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 really key. You just have to, and that's why I think as a as a manager, as a leader, you, you know, if there are times, actually, you know, today I was just on a call and a fellow leader um, said, "Hey, you know that that was actually that was my mistake. I, I I was meant to look at something and I and I didn't, and you know now we're in this situation, but just." Just for others hearing that, going, oh wow, okay, cool, right? They were, they, you know, they said it was a mistake, apologize, now move on and focus on getting the problem solved. That's awesome. But just that small little sentence to say, in all genuine, genuineness, hey, my bad, it was on me. That I, I think was a, a moment that will last for a lot of people. There's an opportunity for a new category of all-star behavior, I think. Uh, yes, here. I think so. I think so. Maybe for 2023 edition, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things that you mentioned earlier, 
was like manager versus leader. And I know you and I have talked in yeah. the past about leading leaders um, as like something distinct and different from just being a leader. So can you tell me a little bit more in your mind what that distinction is and some of your some of your experience? Yeah, so I think there's, I mean, there's tons of things out there, you know, whether it's um, deep writings or memes, right, about the difference between a manager and a, and, and a leader. Um, but I think, you know, part of being a manager, part of leading the team is, is being, you've got to be the subject matter expert to some extent. You've got to do the functional things of being a manager but leading is different. Leading is inspiring. Leading is being there emotionally for your team. Leading is giving your team a reason to believe, a reason to want to do more for themselves, for each other, for the organization. And that is a skill set. There are some really good managers out there who can do the day-to-day -day of managing. They're not necessarily great leaders because they're not tapping into that emotional self, that inspirational self. And I think for me, that's that's part of what your job is as a leader. And also as well, I think leading leaders is a whole other ball game because you, you want to guide your team of leaders to do their best job. And sometimes in doing that, you know, you as a leader have to take a step back. Right, and let your other leaders shine, right? That's just as important. Um, and, you know, people say, hey, the most, the greatest thing is when someone on your team, you can walk away and they can do your job. That's actually a really cool thing. When, you know, you can go on to do something else and you know that you've got two or three people in your leadership team who could take your job. Because that means that you've helped them to grow. Um, and then also, you know, sometimes being a leader, um, not just a manager, but being a leader, I laugh with my team. I say, you know, part of my job is to be the, excuse the colourful language, a shit umbrella. Because that that is that is part of what your job is as a leader, uh, is to be the shit umbrella. And, you know, the wins of my team are theirs, but the failures stop with me. Right? And so... Um, you know, sometimes I have to take the hit for my team and that's part of my job because I want to I want to protect my team and the way in which, you know, they learn, they can learn or a person can learn is, you know, not always being thrown in at the deep end and sometimes just having air cover uh, that you can get. I mean, I, I learned that when I first became a CMO um, about a year before I took my first CMO position, I really wanted to be a CMO. And my CEO said to me, hey, you're not ready. Um, you know, you need to do these different things. And I was so thankful to have somebody who I reported to. I was essentially doing like 90% of the job of the CMO, but I had someone to give me air cover. And that allowed me to fill in the gaps where I had gaps. It allowed me to refine my skills, refine, you know, what I was doing. And I think sometimes people don't um, give full weight and value to that air cover part of leadership and management. It sounds like uh, uh, pulling a thread from earlier in the conversation, this is, a, this is something that you emulated from a great leader that you had uh, now mm -hmm. for your team that you've carried it uh, forward. Um, 
one thing, at least my experience in this space is, uh, so I've been in a similar position, not necessarily for the CMO role, but mm-hmm. like, I, I want that. And then, okay, you have to do these other things. And I'm like, yeah, I can do those. And then when the responsibility is actually on my shoulders, it's a different ball game. And so I'm wondering how you balance like, here's exposure to it versus like, here it is now. Um, yeah. And a lot of that, I think, comes with the behind the scenes work that you do, right? Um, you know, I think good examples of that is, you know, when you when you when a, a leader on your team or an individual on your team has to go and present maybe to like um, to the executive staff, right? My peers, you know, you can put them in the forefront, but doing a lot of behind the scenes coaching, right? And then just being prepared to give them the backup when they need it. Uh, but sometimes as well, just be, allowing them to be in the forefront and answer the hard questions. But as a manager, as a leader, you have had to have tried to grill them beforehand. There's nothing worse, right? Than like, you know, even for me going up against the board, I'm like, you know, call up my CFO and I'm like, hey, what, what, what should I be saying, right? How are they going to grill me? Um, it's all about, you know, take a, a book out of uh, athletes, um, you know, book for this is is a take a chapter out of their their book. It's preparation. It's all about preparation. You, but it's about mental preparation and functional preparation. You know, versus uh, body conditioning. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. For me, that's typically calling uh, founder peers of like, what do mm-hmm. I? What's happening? What do I do? Exactly. Uh, yeah. How am I going to get drilled? Right. Hit me with it. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Uh, it's a sound like in marketing. It's like, why don't we tear apart our message and our campaign in every which way under the sun? Because then we will have prepared ourselves for anything that our competitors or the market in general can throw at us. Um, I've got some questions for you in this uh, inspirational space. Mm-hmm. Um, so over time, you've you've come into your own as a leader you're leading authentically one of the things that you're doing is this inspiring on and being Mm -hmm. available emotionally i know you offhandedly were like kind of like a therapist sometimes and so Mm -hmm. um uh i'm gonna frame this question a certain way you don't have to necessarily take the framing okay there's kind of like macro all hands-esque visionary energy, here's where we're going and why it's important. And then there's also this one-on-one component. I'm here for yeah. you as a person. That seemed different. I'm wondering like, how often are you doing the macro, here's where we're going and why it's mm-hmm. important. How often are you doing the individual, um, I'm here for yep. you as a person. So yeah, so uh, we have all hands. I run uh, all hands with my team every month. Um, so we do every month. We also have as well, um, uh, we, we love a good Slack channel. Uh, so we have a, a marketing Slack channel as well, where periodically I'll just check in. Actually, I, I don't know I don't know why, but on Friday, this passing Friday, maybe it was because I'd had a hard week personally and emotionally. Uh, I just sent a note to my team and I was just like, hey, it's Friday afternoon. I'm sure most of you have signed off and that's perfectly okay. But just wanted to say thank you and just wanted to wish you all a good weekend. There was, a, it's not a special weekend, right? It's not an extra long weekend or anything. Um, but just, I don't know, there was just something that felt needed to do that uh, and just to check in with people. So we do monthly all hands. Um, periodically, we'll, uh, I'll send out notes in the Slack. 
Uh, and also as well, personal things like we have a marketing celebrations uh, channel. So if anyone, it's anyone on the team's birthday or someone has achieved something personally, one of the team just uh, did a triathlon this weekend. That was really cool. Um, share it in there. Um, and then, you know, one-on-one, I'll, I have regular one-on-ones with my leadership team. I'll do skip levels every now and again, and I have a weekly team meeting with my team, and then I'll do ad hoc check-ins. Like, I think sometimes I freak people out because I randomly just ping them on Slack and I'm like, how's it going? And they're like, oh my God, what does Jennifer want? What's happened? <laughs> what, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? I'm like, I'm just checking in. I'm just checking in. Um, but I think the other thing that you've got to think about when you're in a leadership position is how you come across in other activities that your team might see but are not direct so like doing podcasts or presenting events I always think to myself am I going to be representing myself and am I going to be representing my team well so I think just having that that thought process as well um, so across all these touch points, you've got monthly all hands, weekly mm-hmm. team meetings, you've got skip levels, you've got ad hoc Slack messages. Um, how much, I don't know if this is the right way to ask you, but how much consistency is there in your messaging um, about where you're you're headed and, and why it's important? I think I'm consistent. <laughs> like on a scale of one to 10, I would like to think that I'm like an eight or a nine, um, I actually just went back to something that when I first joined, um, I did an all hands on the second day of joining my current team. And I talked about this concept of 212. Uh, So at 211 degrees, uh, water is hot. At 212 degrees, it boils. With boiling water, you create steam. With steam, you can power a locomotive, a train. So one degree extra effort can create so much of a difference. Uh, and that was a mentality that I I brought to bear when I first joined and which I still try to put in place. I might not always explicitly say it, but try and do it with, with actions. And that one degree of effort could be one degree of effort to push to get something done. It could also be one degree of effort to take a step back and look after your own mental health and well-being. So I would like to think that on a scale of like one to 10, I'm like an eight or a nine. Um, but I don't know, that might be it. <laughs> so what to compare with some on my team. <laughs> there's a, there's certain messages. So this like one degree extra effort mm-hmm. is a message that you've been doing consistently for, for years, yeah. it sounds like. Are there, um, so now I'm imagining like, I don't know, a, like a, an OKR or something mm-hmm. that might, how, how often do you all do it? Is it quarterly, yearly? Yeah, so we, we've got our, uh, we only just actually started our OKR process. We had MBOs for quite a while. We've we've just started our OKRs in the past quarter. Um, and so we're still on that learning journey where I think we've got some goals which are like yearly, but every quarter we check in, we revisit them, see if we need to change them a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's that's more of like a, a behavior that I try and, just doing in my everyday behavior or or even the other thing as well is not even one degree of effort, but just saying it's okay to not do something. Mm. One degree like of focus. Yeah, exactly. Right. One degree of focus, one degree of stepping back. It's it, it's okay. 
and and that's something I'm constantly on about uh, with my team is you know really prioritizing things like PTO and taking time off um and it's it's hard because you know we did our engagement survey and some of the team came back and they said hey you know Jennifer encourages time off but there's just so much to do how do we ever take it and so I think again you've got to put that effort into not just saying it but doing it as well and you know I remember a, a couple of months ago I sent a note out to, to my team and said hey you know what um, we're not going to be doing any changes to the website because the team just had so much to do that it was just overwhelming and sometimes saying hey you know what it's okay we're just going to take like we're going to take a few weeks just to settle into what we're doing here we've done a lot of stuff we've like put translations out we've put new sites out we've done new imagery new branding we've done running new campaigns let's just take the time to absorb it might sound boring that you know the next time we come to a meeting there's nothing like razzly dazzly but it's okay because we're creating the plan and executing the plan (laughs) yeah i mean this sounds it's in a similar space to celebrating uh, learning um, mm-hmm. where like you're celebrating, like we're staying the course. We're doing yes! the thing yes! that we said we were going to do and we didn't change it. And so there's nothing new and exciting, but we're doing what we said and that's yes! worth celebrating. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. One of my team, um, she's a, uh, she's a, she's a runner. And so she's like, I always, you know, I, I, I build my plan and I work my plan. I build my plan and I work my plan. And I'm like, love it. It's a great way to go about it. It's, uh, it reminds me of um, the quote that it, it's about the journey, not the destination. And so it's very hard when you're on the journey to realize this is the moment to celebrate. This is the thing that I will look back on fondly because when you're on the journey, you're like, I want the outcome. I want the new website to launch. I want this goal to be fulfilled. Yeah. But when you get it, you're like, wait, it was the journey that was the good part. And it's very hard, I think, for humans like broadly and then for people who are in our schooling system. Um, yeah. And the to- thing is, the more you do, the more you win, the you you forget. You forget where you started. So yeah. I, I always have to say it's myself, oh, yeah, I wish we could do this. I wish we could do this. And I'm like, whoa, just take a step back. Think back six months ago where we were. We didn't have any of this. Like, You've achieved greatness in six months. Don't diminish that. I know we want to do more. I know we want to keep pushing. But just take a moment to reflect on what you have achieved because often you've achieved way more than you than you ever think because you always want to do more, because you always want to be better. You know, that's the great thing about having high-achieving teams. And I feel very lucky to have such a team but yeah, I, I have to remind them like, hey, we've actually done a lot, a lot of stuff. We've moved that needle, you know, we've now just set our bar even higher. <laughs> yep, that definitely, uh, in startup land, that is definitely true of us. Yep. We iterate very quickly and it's like, well, wh- what about, can we fix, there's this new problem. And I'm like, thank God there's a new problem. The <laughs> new problem means that we're not stuck on the same problem yep. anymore. Uh, that old problem went away. This is exciting. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we're not doing the same thing over and over again. We actually fixed it, so now we yeah. can focus on something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that messaging is uh, um, pretty hard, I think, to yeah. to internalize. Uh, starting Takes with time. me. Starting with me, for what it's worth, of am I celebrating this progress myself? And often the answer yeah. is no. 
And then I have to do it myself before I can bring that to the team. Otherwise, it's not authentic. Um, yeah, because like you said, so many conversations are always about what's next. What are we doing next? What, you know, how, and, and it's, you know, you have to take that time to reflect and to look back on, well, what did we do? Right? What have we already achieved? That's pretty, that's pretty damn cool. Um, anything else on your mind that you wanted to chat about today? Uh, no, I mean, I think we've covered so much, right? Finding your own voice, building a system that works for you, celebrating learning, um, reflecting on what you have done and not always reflecting on what you could do, uh, or, or necessarily what's to come next. Uh, no, I love, we've covered so many different things. (laughs) It was a rewarding conversation for me, for sure. I love it. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you for having it with me. <laughs> Thanks for spending your time with us. If you learned something today, please like and subscribe. If you want to share thoughts on what you liked, what we could do better, who we should talk to, or anything else on your mind, please leave a comment or email us support at getgrow.io.